Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio, and as always, I'm Greg. And uh, today we're going to be talking about a couple different things. Um, we've got, uh, first I want to talk about, we're going to go into um, the the birth and the growth of the Battle Royale genre. <clears throat> and uh, then we're going to talk a little bit about the Final Fantasy VII Remake. Square Enix recently posted some job listings. Uh, then we're going to talk about Campo Santo, which is the company that created the game Firewatch, which was a really good game I played uh, a couple years ago. Actually, I think I played it last year, but it was came out in 2016. Uh, them being purchased by Valve. And uh, we're going to finish up with a story about Quantic Dream being sued. Um, or, excuse me, Quantic Dream suing a company. Uh, all of the French... Uh, Quantic's a French company. And they're basically... Quantic is the company that, that made Heavy Rain and Indigo Prophecy and Beyond Two Souls. And they're currently making Detroit become human. And this, uh, this new... Uh, this new lawsuit has them suing the French press about uh, stories uh, that were negative to their company, uh, suing for libel and such. Uh, <clears throat> so to begin, we're going to talk about uh, Battle Royales. So I did a video last year that talked about, uh, oh, is, is uh, Fortnite ripping off PUBG? And there were, you know, um, PUBG had been, uh, there was a lawsuit involved where they were claiming that because Epic owned the engine that they used they had insider knowledge for all of the information that PUBG had to use to make a battle royale game so they thought it was not fair that you know Fortnite could come out <clears throat> and this was kind of before Fortnite blew up so it wasn't like they were trying to you know get in on their success they were trying to stop them from being more successful than them which unfortunately they failed at because Fortnite is huge uh and and so I think you could say it certainly didn't start with PUBG but I think PUBG was the first game that that propelled the battle royale into everyone's homes. It was it was mainstream. I think it was the first one to really like blow up and be huge. Uh, and then obviously a lot of companies started taking note. Um, Epic being one of them and making Fortnite. And so we called this last year though with the rise of the battle royale last year. We we knew that you were going to see a bunch of clones and you knew you were going to see a bunch of new 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 types of battle royales. And and right now on Steam, I mean, there's probably 10 or 20 new battle royales you know some are like this or some are really big 100 players some are 400 players that are coming out some are smaller but they have superpowers you know like they're all they're all kind of taking their own swing at battle royale games and so the story that officially got me talking about this and i want to talk a lot more about battle royales in general but the story that kind of got me started on it initially my cat is about to jump on the table um the the story that got me started on it initially was the uh, the news that the Switch was going to be... Let me see here if I can bring it up. The Switch is going to be getting Black Ops 4, but not as the full game. They're going to be getting Black Ops 4 as just the Battle Royale mode. And, and so then that leak came out, and you're like, well, wait a minute, Black Ops 4 doesn't have a Battle Royale mode. And so then you're like, well, wait a minute, uh, is, th is that something that's happening? So then, uh, and the rumor, this has been kind of verified by two different people. Uh, but it's a battle royale only release with no zombies and no true multiplayer. So the switch version of black ops four, I don't even know if they'll charge for it. It might just be a free download, but there's basically a battle royale only mode coming to black ops four and just the battle royale mode will be coming to the switch because there were rumors that people were saying, Oh, black ops four is coming to the switch. And that's been pretty much killed. Um, however, they could take a piece of that game and release it on the Switch. So that's certainly possible, and that's kind of cool. 
and and so that's kind of the rumor that started to talk about the battle royale discussion. Then I started seeing more and more articles about this. And yeah, on Twitter, there's a whole bunch of people being really creative with the memes. And it's like, oh, coming this year, and it's every game being battle royale. You know, Spider Man battle royale and God of War battle royale. And it's like, yeah, I mean, it's you're not wrong. I mean, we're gonna see a lot of growth uh, with that. But I think it's time to start to stop thinking of battle royale as a genre and start thinking of battle royale as a game mode, right? So it's a type of gameplay. Now there are certain games that are battle royale only. So it's, it, it's an exclusive game. Uh, I like to think of it. I made this uh, reference last night on the drop cast when I record, when I record with the other drop rate guys, but it basically imagine the first game. I, I want to say the first game that had like official, multiplayer through the game like like deathmatch would have been maybe like quake one or or maybe early like i know that there were like doom mods and there were wolfenstein mods but i'm not sure which game actually first incorporated it doesn't really matter to the point of the story though is that deathmatch was originally created for one game and now it's just become a game mode and i think that's what battle royale has become and i don't think that's a bad thing necessarily if if all of a sudden one day call of duty has a battle royale mode why not it's really just last man standing you know and you could have unique elements like you don't have to have a a blue magical blue circle that closes in and and eventually squishes you out of the zone you could have something else like you could maybe a game gets really creative with it and there's like you're inside of a a room and maybe the walls actually come in and obviously it's the same idea but it's more creative you know and i think when you have more people attacking a game mode or a genre you have innovation and i'm really excited to kind of see who can push the battle royale genre forward, uh, the battle royale mode forward. And yeah, you might see certain games that are battle royale only. They might be, they might not be able to survive if it becomes a mode in so many other games. Part of the problem with battle royale is that the early, the really great ones, you need a hundred players per match. So if you don't have just an incredible amount of people playing your game, it's really hard to get games quickly. And that's not fun. That's really frustrating. Uh, as opposed to you say it's call of duty and you're only going to have 20 people in a match and it's 20 people in a battle royale i don't think there's anything wrong with that in fact that might make the experience better just because you're not getting you know murdered from all sides not saying that the hundred person games don't still have their place they certainly do and that's what i like a lot about uh that's what i like a lot about PUBG is it'll always be like this this massive huge game uh same with Fortnite, where you just have a ton of people um but then imagine, you know, Call of Duty's 20 or you've got games like Hunt Showdown, which is like 10 people, which isn't technically a battle royale, but it's got a feeling like that. You know, it's kind of it's kind of in there. And so then talking about other games having this mode in it, having this uh, type of gameplay, there were also rumors then that uh, Battlefield 5 is preparing a battle royale mode. And this one actually I found very interesting because of all the shooters I was mentioning before, Battlefield seems to have the best chance of being a good battle royale. It already has large maps, which is key to having a really fun battle royale mode. Like you can't really have battle royale in a Call of Duty map that's just kind of too small. You know, it's it, it, I always jokingly said that Call of Duty and Battlefield, you know, they're both big military shooters, but they're very, very different. You know, Call of Duty, I always kind of said was a frag fest. It was you kill or you get killed within five seconds. Like it's not there's not a lot of planning and everything. It's 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 run and gun battlefield the levels are a lot bigger so you might sometimes go five minutes without seeing somebody you know depending on on where you are in the map so i think that would work really really well for battlefield 5 
especially since you could also integrate things like the capture points still like in classic battlefield modes and maybe that would give you an advantage if you if you held a point like you'd have a certain defensive perimeter i don't know but i like it uh but it was another one of those things like okay so now we've got call of duty coming out with a battle royale mode You've got Battlefield 5 apparently preparing, uh, preparing a Battle Royale mode. There were early, early whispers of Red Dead Redemption 2 having an online mode that was Battle Royale. <laughs> so then you're starting to think like, oh man, it's just, it's that thing. And it's kind of like, everything goes in waves, right? When something's popular, people want to take advantage of its popularity. And, and this game mode is actually really fun. It's something I enjoy quite a bit. So I have no problem with the game mode. Uh, and, and other games adding it, especially if they have the player base to back it up, which Battlefield and Call of Duty certainly do. So I'm, I'm very curious to see their take on it, too, because I don't think we've had a multi-billion you know billion dollar studio make one of these before. I mean, obviously, Fortnite's done by Epic, and they have the money to, but I don't believe Fortnite was a, let's put all of our resources into it to make an amazing game. They were just kind of like a side project. I truly believe that Fortnite was a side project. And really the battle Royale mode was an afterthought to the actual game, which was like the building surviving wave based kind of, um, it was more of a survival game than it was. And then which, which go hand in hand, surprisingly, like there's always a survival game and then they add a BR mode, like, like, um, H one Z one did that. And, uh, and obviously Fortnite, and now no one cares about the actual Fortnite game. They just want to play Battle Royale. It's the only thing that's uh, popular about it. Um, so yeah, so Battlefield Five is uh, it's shifting from Battle uh, from World War One to World War Two, and then it's going to have a, a Battle Royale mode. And I'm okay with that. I mean, it's rumored still at this point, but I'm okay with that. And I think we need to stop looking again at Battle Royale as a genre. Uh, and we need to start looking at it as a game mode, like Deathmatch or Capture the Flag. That's essentially what Battle Royale is. And you're going to see a lot of games have it, and I don't think that's a bad thing. And you know then, uh, eventually, Blizzard will make a Battle Royale game, and it'll be the best of the best, because they'll take all the best ideas that everyone else had and mash them together into like the best version of that uh, game mode. So I'm very curious to find out what <laughs> when Blizzard's uh, Battle Royale mode comes out, for whatever it is. But it'd be awesome. Even, even uh, something like... Gosh, I mean, Overwatch could do it, but once you start having powers, it does make the games really weird. So I don't know. I don't know how you would do that. You know, again, maybe it's not called Battle Royale. Maybe it's Last Man Standing or something similar. But, but yeah. So that was kind of the uh, the, the story that started it. And then there was a, a, an article that H one Z one, like I mentioned earlier, they they had a battle. They've had a Battle Royale mode for a long time, and they're they're coming out with it. They're bringing it to the PS4. So H1Z1's Battle Royale mode is coming to the PS4 in a revamped sort of sense. So they're basically tweaking it, making it better for the console experience, which obviously Fortnite has on lockdown right now. And that's part of the reason that Fortnite was so successful was one, it was free. I mean, that's always going to be a positive, but it was free. And then two, they released it on everything. Now it's on mobile, PC, PS4, Xbox One, and uh, my understanding is it should be on the Switch by summertime. So if you get all of that, you know, of course you're going to be successful. Plus you've got that very, in my opinion, it's generic, but a very simple cartoony looking aesthetic, which uh, draws a lot of people in and it's not too intimidating. Like I, I had this argument with, uh, or not argument, but I, I made this point last night in the Dropcast was with Jordan was that, you know, PUBG is incredibly stressful because it's so realistic. You take it very realistically you know because Fortnite looks a little more fun and cartoony you can have a little more fun with it you run and gun you jump on the roof you jump off you shoot a guy in midair you know PUBG you're crawling on the ground trying not to get your head shot off half the time and and um you know so that's kind of a difference in the games and I think there's room for both of those games to exist because they are so different you know people arguing which one's better than the other it's totally different and then you've got these other game companies now bringing in 
their take on it. And I, I'd, I'd be very curious to see what Call of Duty's take on it would be. Like, I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know if it would be good. I don't know if it'd be bad, but uh, I'll try it. I mean, I, I pretty much try any Battle Royale. I'm currently playing uh, Cliff Blazinski's new Battle Royale. is called Radical Heights. It's in super early alpha, but it's free to play. And it's really fun. You know, like they're adding some new stuff. Like there's machines that you can buy weapons out of. You loot cash. You can get an adrenaline rush by like kicking in doors and busting through windows and stuff. So I don't know. It, it just it does add something different. Is it going to take off and be amazing? I don't know. It's too early to tell. But uh, But it's neat. You know, and so those were kind of the uh, the things I want to talk about when it came to the battle royales because it's not um, it's not uh, it's not a bad thing, and I and I it's kind of like the MOBA. Yeah, you're gonna see some bad MOBAs come out, and and it is hard to trust any battle royale games that come out now that all they do is battle royale because this game mode is gonna be prevalent in so many new games coming out you're going to really have to do something special to compete with the big companies doing it and obviously PUBG and Fortnite have a foothold already but you know what of a little company just trying to make a battle royale game now like how are they going to hold up and it's 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 going to I think breed more innovation which I think is really good for everybody so so yeah don't 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 uh don't crap on battle royale mode being in so many new games I think it's a good thing and and we'll get the best versions we'll get creative ideas flowing in and then eventually Blizzard will come in steal all those ideas and make the best game possible <laughs> so then next uh this story frustrates me a little bit it makes me happy and sad and frustrated and mad all at the same time. I'm not quite sure how to deal with it. But we're talking about the Final Fantasy VII Remake, which they showed off at E3. <clears throat> um, oh, God. It's got to be through two, at least two years ago, if not three years ago this year. They showed it off. Uh, everyone pretty much died because they couldn't believe it. Um, it was an unbelievable announcement. Everyone was like, oh, my God, it's finally coming. Uh, and apparently now they're ramping up hiring for it but they're hiring for things like uh planners and and combat designers and level designers which tells me that the game is not anywhere near completion and we kind of knew this a little bit coming out because uh it had been they they had showed off some stuff about it and they talked about wanting to do it episodically and doing all these things and then all of a sudden they talked about how the director of kingdom hearts is now going to be the director of five seven remake and kingdom hearts hasn't even come out yet at best, Kingdom Hearts will be out at the end of this year, at best. Uh, we'll probably find out at E3 if it's coming this year, but I have a feeling it's actually going to be next year. So then Final Fantasy VII will be some time after that. Who knows? Um, but what was interesting was some things in the job listing for Final Fantasy VII. So I'm going to switch over here real quick so you can kind of see what I'm looking at. And uh, so this uh, this is the job listing. It's a, it's a website called eCareer. And this, this was translated, so this is in Japan. So some, some of this English, as I read it, might sound really strange, and that's just because it's, a, it's Google translated the website for me. Um, it's, but they're, they're emphasizing that it's not a remake, it's a fresh creation. And I'll get more into it, but that already is starting to frustrate me. <laughs> because, you know, but here, here's the job listing. Um, 1997, Final Fantasy VII, boasting over 11 million total shipping and download sales in the global market, is said to be the best series masterpiece loved all over the world, such as having a strong fans even now, even after 20 years have passed since the release, it is also an exaggerated title. Again, remember, it's a Japanese translation to English, so some of it's a little broken. And announced the release of Final Fantasy VII Remake work, it is nothing other than aiming for new creation that is not just a remake because the big repercussion has occurred. I think what they're trying to say is that, you know, you, you have to make a new game. You can't just 
port and remake. You know, you can't just remake it. They want to they want to start fresh, which I think is a terrible idea. I think what you need to do with Final Fantasy VII is literally increase how it looks, add some extra side missions and stuff, revamp the game's look, and that's about it. The music and the gameplay, everything about that game that made it incredible. Why would you change that? Like, it's not. It wasn't like the game has a soul, and as long as you keep that soul intact, we'll play some other junk. Like, it was everything together. It was the gameplay, it was the music, it was the look, it was the characters, it was the story, it was everything. All that stuff came together to make Final Fantasy VII one of the most amazing. Whoops! One of the most amazing games on the planet. And so, but they're talking about how much they have to change it. It's a creation, not a remake. Um, continuing on, together with first-class creators, in a sense, challenging higher difficulty than creating new titles, it is a work that impacts the world as well as growth as a creator. Creating a new world view while preserving existing concepts that users have, a project that can only be achieved here is waiting for you. So they're saying that we need someone who's going to be able to make a new version of Final Fantasy VII, but keep keep intact what made Final Fantasy VII great. So that's that's kind of what they mean. Um, so they're, uh, they're also saying here, uh, some this is the specific work content of, of the job. Battle planner, planning and creating of battle system, combining command and action, designing ideas, designing ideas such as enemies and bosses, building an environment such as setting parameters according to players' growth. So let's talk about that a little bit. So the first one right away is a super red flag for me. Planning and creation of battle system combining command and action, which tells me that it's not going to be, which we kind of knew already, but it's not going to be a, a, a turn-based game where you have your list of commands, you pick what to do, he does it, and you're done. And he does the attack. I think it's, my understanding was that they wanted to make it more like Final Fantasy XV's battle system, which is you run around in real time, you engage in enemies, you, you enter combat much like an MMO, and then combat ends when you've killed all the enemies, and then you can't, you know, when you're in combat, you can't do certain abilities, you can't do certain things, you can't leave the area, you have to kill the enemies before you leave, stuff like that. Also similar to like Nino Kuni, uh, Star Ocean, same, same kind of thing with a real-time battle system. Now, will that ruin a Final Fantasy game? I don't think so, but will it make it any better? I also don't think so. I think, and here's what frustrates me is, Square recently released uh, I Am Setsuna, and they've released uh, Lost Sphere, so they know that there is a market for people to play turn-based great RPGs. Secret of Mana is a, is a real-time, so that doesn't really count, but Chrono Trigger is still doing great on iOS and on PC. So there are people who will still play turn-based games, so I, I hope they don't feel like they have to make it action-oriented for kind of this instant gratification, you know, won't stick around for boring gameplay sort of sort of gamers that are that are around nowadays. Um, and uh, and yeah, so then and then designing ideas, so they're going to be designing enemies and bosses. That's really cool, um, even though everything's already designed in the game. So I'll, again, if it's a if it's a remake, what really do you have to design? I mean, everything's like really laid out for you. I really don't get that. Uh, and then building an environment such as setting parameters according to player growth. So that makes sense. That's balancing. That's designing the levels so that you know that that makes sense. That's that's game design stuff. So the second specific work content thing that's listed is working with a level planner. Location workflow construction design of level design at each location, data implementation at Unreal 4 Engine, which I don't think that's actually had been confirmed, but I was pretty sure that that's where they were going to go since that's what 15 uses. So it's going to be using the Unreal Engine. So, I mean, that's cool. It's a beautiful engine. It can do a lot, so that's fine. Uh, and then it says, it goes on to say, a new Final Fantasy with action elements added to the conventional strategy creating a new Final Fantasy VII, not only as a remake, but as your creative. 
Uh, it says creative, please deliver deliver tenness to the world. <laughs> I don't understand what that means at all. Um, and then this was a note from one of the colleagues. So this is a feeling of creating a completely new title creates a new Final Fantasy VII. So this is from Sawada Yui, uh, who is the first business division Final Fantasy VII remake level planner. It is a real pleasure. It is the real pleasure of our planner that we can consistently engage from upstream to downstream, from concept deciding to implementation. I think that it's interesting to be deeply involved with the content in charge. To that extent, we are in charge of all the steady work as a text correction. That's why I believe that each and every person can think that he or she created it. Especially Final Fantasy VII Remake is a project where creators who are influenced by the original gather. I'm working on colliding hot passions with everyone. <laughs> Maybe combining is the proper translation there. Combining hot uh, hot passions with everyone. Of course, there is a pleasure to go beyond masterpieces. That's a lot of fun. While treating the view of the world that users have, we overturn existing concepts. It is a feeling to create a completely new title. And I want to make it work. And that makes you think I think so. Uh, and then so here's what and then here's just the conditions, which I guess this doesn't really matter to the article, but I just found it interesting. So it's a contract employee. So I'm actually going to be like, they're hired, but they're not a full like Square Enix employee. They're a contractor. Uh, doesn't matter what age you are, but the mandatory experience skills are production experience, including boss battle gimmicks in an action game. Again, going back to action game, um, battle direction or subleader experience close to it, experience in level design and HD game production experience, game development experience with Unreal Engine 4. So we already knew that. Uh, those who like to advance things in team play, those who have communication skills, those who can flexibly think and behave, and those who have a passion for Final Fantasy VII. Um, the work location is in Tokyo. It's in Shinjuku, uh, which is pretty cool. I didn't realize that was there. I should have visited that when I was there. Maybe I'll go next time. I, I think I'm going to do that next time I go. I'm going to make a list of like the companies I'd like to see and maybe just go to the buildings. I don't think they let me in or anything, but I might as well go check it out. Um... So it says the discretionary labor system for working hours is the standard working eight hours. And then the salary is 4.5 million yen to 8 million yen, depending on experience. Uh, and of course, I went to my best friend Google here and I looked up 4.5 million yen is about $41,000 a year and 8 million yen is about $73,000 a year. So that uh, that's kind of cool. Um, you know, 40 to $70,000 a year based on experience. Um, so... You know, I guess it's not bad. It doesn't seem great, but it's not bad. Not as much as a programmer would make or an artist, obviously. Um, you get a, a fully weekly two-day system. So you get Saturdays and Sundays off, uh, New Year's holidays, annual paid vacations, summer holidays, and concierge holidays. Treatments, transportation expenses, full payment, various social insurance, complete and health insurance association. So I think it's saying like they probably give you a bus or a train pass. <laughs> it's like, hey, we'll, we'll give you a free train pass. Take your ass down to, down to our uh, station. Um, so it says, here's how it works. It actually, this is kind of neat here, this hiring schedule process. So you fill an application, then you select your documents, and there's an interview, which they'll schedule twice. Then it's an informal, and then it's joined. Uh, and then it says, please apply as it's a is from eCareer. In addition, a case of large number of applicants, there's a possibility of contacting only those who pass through the screening. The secret of the application will be strictly adhered to. We will respond to cons consultation of the interview day and hiring date. Please contact us if you can not change your job right now. Um, and then it says, yeah, that's about it. And then just shows company information, like what Square Enix says and stuff. So 
that, uh, that, that was really interesting stuff. So, again, Final Fantasy VII Remake, we have no idea when it's coming. They're still hiring people like level designers and planners to help build combat up. So, this game is very, very far away, I think. I think we'll be lucky to see a Final Fantasy Remake by 2020. We might see it like holiday 2020, so two and a half years away. Um, but if again, if it's episodic and they work on it, you know, the first one will take a long time. But after that, they should be able to release maybe an episode every six months to a year. So not quite sure how that's all going to work out. But I, I'm not excited for it anymore, frankly. I, I'm really disappointed that they can't just give us a completely redrawn game take all the original elements make it awesome add more stuff to the game add more secrets add more places maybe add new voice acting uh, or add voice acting uh and then redraw the whole thing make it look incredible graphically and that's it i mean that's all you need for a final fantasy 7 remake you, you know this this real-time active battle system and all that sort of stuff it's nonsense forget it it's a waste of time we don't need it and i don't want it and then next, we're going to talk about Campo Santo. Camps, yeah, Campo Santo. It's mis mispronounced in this article. So Campo Santo made a quirky, fun little game called Firewatch. And uh, it was a, uh, I think you call them narrative first-person walking simulator or something they call it. There's no combat in the game. Uh, you essentially are, uh, you have kind of a dark past and you become this fire watch, uh, like a, like a park ranger kind of almost in this. And all you're supposed to do is you basically, it's really boring, but you sit there for like a summer and you watch for fires and then you walk around the park, you look for other things. That's like the job. So as you're here, though, there's this interesting mystery kind of unfolding. And it's really kind of neat. And it's, you know, you can't really talk too much about it without spoiling things. And I won't spoil it here, even though it's a couple years old. It was a really great experience. I think I beat it in maybe four or five hours. So it was it was short, in my opinion, but it was fun. And I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. They told a very good story. A really neat narrative. Uh, and that's a company called Campo Santo. And they're working on another game. Their next project is called In the Valley of the Gods. And so that sounds also very cool, and I'm very excited to play that. But the big news, the reason we're talking about them today, is because over the weekend, Campo Santo announced uh, that they were being purchased by Valve. So Valve is, obviously, if you don't know, Valve uh, has the popular Steam platform for digital distribution. That's where they make most of their money. Um, uh, but they also uh, they uh, published uh, Dota and they publish um, and created Half Life and Half Life Two, um, but they haven't really been making a lot of new games lately. In fact, they they kind of got out of making games and shifted towards this just being the the Steam platform for digital distribution. Um, however, they uh, Gabe Newall, the head of Valve, has been saying. Uh, that they wanted to get back into making games. And so there were a lot of rumors flying around like, oh, is Turtle Rock coming back to make Left 4 Dead 3? Are we going to see Half-Life 3? Are we going to see Half-Life 2 Episode 3? Are we going to see, you know, all these different things? Are we going to see Portal 3? Uh, and which that's what brought me to this point was as soon as I heard this news, both Jordan and I had kind of the same thought. He, he actually sent it back to me right as I was about to type it was, I think they're going to make Portal 3. <laughs> because these guys have experience in narrative-driven first-person games, which Portal is, and they've got the manpower to do it now that they've got purchased by Valve, and obviously they have the rights to do it as well. So this was really interesting. So this is what... Uh, this is what they noted on the blog, that they have 12 employees are now joining Valve. They said, quote, We found a group of folks who, to their core, feel the same way about the work that they do in us, and they found a group with unique experience and valuable, diverse perspectives, it quickly became an obvious match. 
So, uh, and then Campo Santo also notes that they are still in control of their studio and will still support Firewatch, which I would assume is some minor bug fixes. And then it is, uh, they're doing a switch port. So I assume they're going to finish the switch port, do some minor tweaking, you know, some bug fixes, stuff like that. And then they're going to uh, move on to finish in the Valley of the Gods. And then who knows after that? Um, I can't see Valve buying a small indie developer like this if they didn't have other plans for them. Because why would they buy them? just to publish their game you know in the valley of the gods i can't imagine it's gonna be that big or that good where it would be you know that now would be real mind twist was what if what if campo santo wasn't working on a game called in the valley of the gods what if that was like their code word for portal 3 and then because they've been working with valve maybe valve comes out and then says oh yeah this is the project they've been working on they're gonna finish it um I don't believe that to be true. I, in the Valley of the Gods, I do believe is an actual game that's coming out. It's been development for a couple years. Um, and I think it'll be really good. But I also then think that they just found a new narrative team for their first person games. It's hard to say that I'd love to say, you know, let's, let's let the, 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 um, the rumors and the speculation run wild here. I'd like to say, Hey, they're probably going to do half-life three. I don't think that's their jam. You know, I mean, not saying they couldn't grow into that, and maybe they'll be in charge of the story and the and the plot devices, um, but I think Portal Three fits more what that studio is about. Uh, but who knows? They can maybe work on Portal Three, and then maybe they would be tasked with finishing up the Half Life series. Who knows? Uh, but it was interesting news because it's a, it's a pretty small company, and they don't have a lot of game. You know, they have, they don't have a lot of people. They don't have a lot of games under their belt. Or anything, and all of a sudden, of all people, to, I mean, Valve coming in, that, that's a big deal. Valve doesn't do this very often. They don't buy a lot of, you know, recently, especially they, as they've been pulling out of game development. So we'll have to kind of watch that and see what, uh, you know, see what stories kind of come out of that and see, um, you know, see any announcements. I'm hoping at E3 we'll see something more. I mean, they could drop a bomb if they could announce that uh, Half-Life 3 was coming or Portal 3 at E3. I mean, that would be, that'd be incredible. And then lastly, I want to finish up with this story because there's um, there's there's a lot of pieces to this and a lot of stuff that I'm personally involved in. And it's it's really weird. So the headline is Quantic Dream, the studio behind Beyond Two Souls and um, and uh, Detroit Become Human, the newest one. They're suing the French media over negative reports to the studio. So over the last few months, the French um, newspapers and, and French media outlets have been coming out with a lot of stories about about uh um about quantic dream and and the stories were basically that it was a toxic work environment i actually did a video on it last year uh that it was a toxic work environment they didn't you know they had people photoshopping photoshopping their heads onto naked bodies um photoshopping their heads onto people you know bodies that have swastikas and uh, swastikas it was very weird stuff you know but a lot of it at the time really did feel like prank stuff to me and i you know none of it was overly offensive to me and i i don't you know i i didn't i didn't think it was that bad i mean is it professional absolutely not but you know what it's a it's a studio that they own if they want to create that work environment it's fine they'll suffer the consequences uh, if there are great talented people that don't want to work in an environment like that and they'll lose them so i didn't really think it was that big of a uh, big of a deal um after I did that, and I know this is really strange to say, after I did that, I, I received an email from someone claiming to be an ex-employee of Quantic. And my first reaction was, uh, th this is so false. You know, this is fake. 
uh, there's this guy's gonna troll me, and then he, you know, um, and, and all this other stuff, you know, and and, and this, th- this, you know, this person, I shouldn't say it's a guy because I don't know <laughs> actually, um, and so this person was going to you know, they were going to get me on because they wanted me to download WhatsApp and then they were going to, you know, talk to me and they wanted to, to, to voice call. And I thought, okay, well let's get this over. Let's just get embarrassed, uh, and get it over with. Let's record the whole thing. Cause why not? Uh, and then what ended up happening was an incredible, an absolutely incredible conversation that lasted two to three hours with this person. And, um, the things that were revealed to me, I, I actually hate to admit this. I didn't know what to do with it. And I have a ton of information. Uh, I was sent all of the pictures, basically one huge file of all the horrible images of the Photoshop pictures of people's heads and other bodies, the jokes being made uh, along with a, a slew of other accusations, uh, including, you know, fraud and, and, uh, and, and tax fraud and, 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 uh, false claims of harassment, crazy stuff. And, and unfortunately, like I, I've been trying to pass a story along because it's just too big for me. Uh, all the documents are in French. I can't translate it. And I, I just, I hate it. I hated to do it, but this, uh, you know, and a lot of this person's, um, I don't want to say it like this, this person's very afraid that they'll get in trouble for sharing this information. So you have to take that stuff very seriously. And I'm, I'm no journalist. I say that all the time. I'm not a journalist. I'm just an opinionist. I just take these stories and I just kind of throw out my two cents to kind of give you a feeling for where I'm at with it. And this whole thing was, was very tough for me because I wanted to do more with it and I couldn't. And I tried contacting some bigger publications at like Kotaku and Polygon and a few others to try to be like, Hey, will you run with the story? And unfortunately I don't think anybody took me seriously. And I I can understand why I I'm, I'm a YouTuber with almost 2,100 subs and you know, that's it. You know, I'm, I'm essentially a nobody and and it it makes sense that, uh, that they wouldn't believe that. I wish that, uh, I did have a conversation with one actually replied to me and I was having some, some Twitter DMS back and forth and then he just stopped responding. And I was like, okay, um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm like, I'm not trying to like, I don't know what the point was. Like, I don't know what they think the point with me was, but maybe they get trolled so hard by people. And maybe that's, I thought the same thing when this person contacted me. And so there's a lot of facets to it. Uh, however, here's the weird part. So then Kotaku was reporting that the company is suing two French media outlets. It's Media Part and the newspaper Le Monde, which... The person I talked to specifically talked about these two places and the stories they were going to write and specifically mentioned how at the time there was so much stuff going on with the French election that they didn't care about a story about a video game company having this issue. Other things were taking up the paper and the, and the article's time and then eventually they started to pick up steam and, and to start to finally get somewhere with the stories. Um, so the and, and they're being sued over the reports and the allegations. Uh which is funny because the Kotaku writer Cecilia Dinastasio Dinastasio uh, discovered this information during an interview with Cage, where the founder bluntly stated, "We're suing their journalists." <laughs> okay, um, Canard PC, which is a third outlet, one of the other outlets that broke the news about Quantic, is not being sued. While the outlet received threatening letters before and after their story went live, nothing yet has come from those messages. Publishing director for the site. 
uh, Ivan God, told Kotaku the two sites being sued will now have to prove to the judge that their outlets used appropriate caution when reporting the story and had reached out to all parties involved in an attempt to offer their perspectives. So I'm not sure how it works in France compared to here when you're verifying stories and what you're set for libel and being sued. But it seems like uh, when, when the person I was talking to described a lot how the court proceedings work there, it sounds like a damn mess. It sounds kind of incredible when they talked about, oh, you do this and then you, you get in front of this person and then this person will have you going through in front of a tribunal and then that tribunal will decide this. And then I'm like, this sounds crazy. Me. Now, I'm not saying other countries don't think it's crazy when we have to get lawyers and go to a, you know, go to in front of a judge and then a jury and all that stuff. But it, it just, it, it seemed crazy and super complicated. Um, and apparently... Uh, let's see here. I want to, I want to get to this. There's some other art. There's some other weird quotes in here. Like, uh, uh, yeah. So the upcoming French version of the first book, blood, blood, sweat, and pixels. Uh, and, and it just, it was weird, you know? And, and, and what sucks is I had like a lot of insider information about this and, and I, I, I didn't know what to do with it. And I wasn't sitting on it on purpose. I just, I couldn't process it. And it really, it really sucks because I would have loved to be the one to like break a story, but, I guess if I did, I might be getting sued right now. So I don't know. And I, I, you know, and I guess you'd be really careful with stuff like this. And, and, um, like I said, I don't, I'm not a journalist and I, I don't want to be responsible for protecting sources and for, I don't know the rules. I have no idea. And I'd be, I'd be just left here in the wind, like figure it out on your own and hopefully don't lose your house and get sued, you know? Um, but yeah, so anyway, it was, it was a continuation of a story we talked about. That's why I wanted to cover it. Wanted to talk a little bit about my experience with the ex-employee who I 100% believe, and I still have some contact with through uh, chats and stuff. Um, like I said, I, they used voice modulation, so I couldn't tell if it was a, a man or a woman. I I assume it's a guy, but I mean that's not. I don't know. I couldn't be accurate, but uh, yeah. And and this person unfortunately spoke of having you know being very um, upset and having to having to leave the job because of all the bad stuff that was said about them and about other people that were their friends. I mean, crazy stuff. And so now, though, the continuation is all of a sudden Quantic is firing back and they're suing the, the French publishers, which I have to be honest, seems a little terrible timing because why wouldn't you let Detroit come out before you want to get in the headlines for negativity, right? Like, unless this they, they, they're under the impression that all news is good news and all press is good press, but I don't know. It doesn't feel that way to me. I, I think that it's it's more like you could have buried this just until, you know, you could have buried this until it was over and then moved on. And, yeah, so I don't know. Uh, yeah, and I, like I said, I have a folder full of these images. They're ridiculous. Uh, they're kind of funny. I mean, it's, it's not appropriate for a workplace, but, you know, I think about that at my store is, I mean, I, I get to create that workplace however I want because it's my workplace. Obviously, you can't it's against law to discriminate and things like that. But, you know, and you leave and other things will leave you open to litigation. Like if I have a, a sexist environment, then um, female employees could sue me if they're uncomfortable. Like that's that's a real thing. But it's still my business to do whatever I want to do with. Um, And I mean, there were crazy stories that I was also told about uh, Ellen Page, who worked on Beyond Two Souls. And they talked about how Ellen Page in her contract has a big no nudity thing. Uh, and if you remember, the story came out right around the same time as Beyond Two Souls, right before it launched, was that someone had, or uh, someone had, uh, 
you know, leaked about, um, not, not uh, Beyond Two Souls, but Heavy Rain. And in Heavy Rain, they had the actress who played, like, the main character. They had, like, a shower scene, but they had the camera where you couldn't see any nudity. Of course, modders got in there. They adjusted the camera, and they were able to have a fully a fully nude rendered model in the game, and you could you could walk around and see it. So, uh, and then the, the talk about Ellen Page was that they also rendered her to be naked, even though she was never naked for them, and that that model was sometimes put into the game as, like, a joke. So they'd have, like, the nude model riding the horse in the game, and then they'd have the nude model doing a certain action scene instead of the clothed model. Really weird stuff, and apparently everybody knew about it, including David Cage and the, and the heads of the studio, and it was, like, a big inside joke. And I don't know, that's pretty crazy, especially since... Uh, there was issues with that game. And it's funny because David Cage, David Cage talks about how he can't be homophobic or racist because, quote, we work with Ellen Page, who's fighting for LGBT rights. So because he worked with Ellen Page, who actually outed herself as gay after that game came out. So he's making these claims when he actually didn't know that she was gay. And so very, you know, very creepy stuff. I, I personally think David Cage is a scumbag. And, uh, and again, he might, he be a really good game designer. Sure. Sure. Doesn't mean he's a very good human. Probably not. I mean, that doesn't, those two things don't correlate, you know? And, uh, I hope that, uh, I hope that they fix the culture at their studio. And I would like to see, um, you know, cause they make quality products and I don't want to have to boycott a, what I think might be a really good game just because I don't believe in the things that that company stands for. And, and that really sucks. Um, but that's all I had as far as news goes for the podcast today. So a little bit of a shorter one, uh, not a lot of news I want to talk about really. And, and, uh, hit, hit the big ones hard that I wanted to do. Um, However, let's uh, let's let's squeak around to the game collection here. Uh, let's talk about let's talk about uninvited. <laughs> so uh, let's turn it here so it's not totally glared here. So uninvited is made by Chemco, which uh, they did the popular games Shadowgate and Deja Vu. They also published some other games like Desert Command and stuff like that. Uh, Uninvited is just like Shadowgate. If you haven't played Shadowgate, it's a first-person dungeon crawler point-and-click adventure. So you have a little uh, little hand icon, you move around, you can like push, pull, grab, take, open, close. There's a whole bunch of, of commands at the bottom of the screen. And then you interact with a still image. So you'd be like, click the open button, click the door to open the door, then you can walk through it. Well, Shadowgate was like their medieval castle dragons, you know, sort of situation. Deja Vu was like their you know, 1920s, 30s, noir, detective, really cool stories, Dick Tracy kind of vibe. And then Uninvited was like their, hey, I'm in a haunted house, and it's kind of radical, first-person point-and-click. Uh, it's an excellent, excellent game. Uh, it's really chill. You know, you just kind of hang out and play it. You don't, you know, there's not really a lot of danger to it. You just kind of run through, and you figure things out. Like, you walk into a room, you step on a trap, you die. You go back, you know, you, you go back to your last load, and then you know not to step on a certain rock again or to pull a rock or something. You know, it's kind of like, um, I jokingly say they're kind of like choose-your-own-adventure books, but in video game form, because you have to kind of just play them a bunch of times to generally figure out what you have to do. Um, trial trial and error, I guess would be the right way to say it. But this is a really, really good game, and I am I would love to see a remake of this or a sequel or something. I don't know, but this is really good. And these uh, these games hold up really well because they were kind of slow and boring back then, so they're slow and boring still today, but they're kind of chill. Um, try to get uh, some non-glare pictures up there for you. 
uh, uninvited. So, uh, really, really good. Check it out. Uh, I like this game a lot. And I think you would, too. As always, everybody, I appreciate it for listening and watching. Uh, thanks for always coming by. If you're watching this on YouTube, uh, if, if you want to subscribe to us on iTunes and SoundCloud, you can listen to us there in audio form. If you only listen to us on SoundCloud and iTunes, if you could go to uh, youtube.com slash drop rate, that is our YouTube channel, or you can go to droprate.life that will redirect you to our YouTube page. And, uh, it would just really be appreciated. You know, any, any, um, likes and subs, we, we just, we're just about to hit 2,100 subs and it's, uh, been absolutely incredible. I, I can't believe sometimes the growth we've had, um, May 10th will be our one year mark. So in, in two and a half weeks, it will be our one year anniversary of, of the drop rate as it began um with our first youtube upload on may 10th and now going from then to having 2100 subscribers is mind-boggling to me um but i love it our initial goal was 100 and we we beat that and we're like well, let's get to 500 you know we can do that and then we got to 500 and then all of a sudden by necessity it was oh crap we need a thousand subs or we're gonna get demonetized so it's like okay well we we got to get to a thousand and we did and and um we had some videos catch fire and it was great. And then from a thousand, we, we just blew up and kept growing really fast. And, and the more you get, the faster you grow. And now we're up to 2000, almost 2100 and, and we'll get there, you know, by the anniversary, which never in my wildest dreams did I think we'd get that big. And now it's tough because now it's like you have to, you, you hit these micro goals and you're happy, but then you realize we got so much further to go. You know, I think really the next goal is going to be 10, you know, five or 10. And then eventually you want to get to a hundred thousand and, and who knows how long it's going to take years, maybe still. And it's, it's hard to look down the road and, and, um, keep, keep a level head and keep the perspective when you're that far out, you know? Um, but it's, uh, absolutely been a blast and, and, uh, and definitely check us out on YouTube if you haven't. Um, if you just want to listen to me, cause there are three people that make up drop rate. You can always look in the bottom corner down here. That's always my little drop rate guy. Um, that's me with my game trade shirt on. And, uh, and you can always know my content cause I'll always be tagged with my, uh, my little Sprite dude. So again, as always, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for watching. Thanks for sticking around and listening to me ramble. We hope you guys have a great day and we will talk to you again soon. If I can find my mouse cursor so I can stop the recording. <laughs> have a good day. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.